Hello. Hey, Joe. This is Bill Edwards with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Tampa Bay Rowdies? Uh, uh, yes, uh, I've been expecting this call. Great. What final questions do you have before we bring you to Tampa? Well, as you know, schools are quite important. Well, of course. There are many marvelous schools here. For the children. Yes, Joe. I mean, we know you finished your schooling. Hmm. And what about the neighbors? Uh, the neighbors? Well, Al Lang is downtown. It's right on the water. Seafront property, eh? Hmm. Very walkable, very trendy. I see. And, um, bedrooms? Bedrooms? Yes. How many bedrooms are going to be there? Well, I mean, I guess you could sleep in the locker room. Uh, aren't you planning to have a home here? Well, yes, that's what we're talking about, a new house. A house? No, I think there's been a misunderstanding. Joe, we want you to sign to our team here in Tampa Bay. To play footy? Yes, Joe, to play footy. As in kicking the ball? Me, for you? Yes, Joe. You know I'm like a billion years old, right? Two words, Joe. Ticket revenue. Coming to you from the Twin Cities, this is Toughcast. And welcome to Toughcast by two United fans. This is Notch. And this is Jeff, and with Whiskey Galore, it's episode 54. Whiskey Galore, that reminds me of Goldfinger. It's close. Porsche. Porsche Galore. Yes. They could have called her Whiskey Galore. It would have been a little less Whiskey. raunchy. Yeah, see? A little bit. That, that sounds pretty great. Why, had, why have we never done a. No, oh, we've done one line of a Connery sketch, haven't we? And you know what? Dalton actually played for Fort Lauderdale this week. We should. We should Full circle. All right. We should, we should Thanks for listening, Toughcast listeners. You can find us at <laughs> TWO United Fans. Hey, you're doing it too now. You, you actually spell out the two, like me. You've ingrained this into me, man. It's it, tough. It, and, and you pronounce Christian Niche the right way. But you didn't. I don't. And apparently, I corrected you once upon a time, and it stayed. Wasn't I think it was like the episode that we released the interview with him. You, I, in the introduction, I was like, "Yeah, it's Christian Neeked," and you right away were like, "No, it's Niched." Now listen to the man speak, and so you shamed me. See, this is we're gonna do a best off episode here, where we just talk about our memories. This of is a memory. Tough we have a we have an important <laughs> announcement. We've added a ten year old child to the cast of two United fans to try to save ratings. <laughs> if it's good enough for BN Sports, it's good enough for us. Oh, so in in actual soccer news, the first thing. We we have to mention because everybody else is doing it so we have to otherwise we don't look cool is that Leicester City won the BPL or the EPL or the PL or the the league uh, the, the Premier League of America of England right yeah. the Leicester City actually won the TV show the league mm-hmm. um, that's well they did win and it's it's a fairy tale story if you haven't been living under a rock you know about it already but the big question is that I saw that was really interesting is can there be a Leicester City in America nope why not? Because it's not an open system. And this is not This is nothing to say about whether or not Pro-Rel is right for America. And We're now not- our first guest, Dead Westervelt, joins us. Hey, guys. <laughs> All right, here we go. No, uh, <laughs> thanks, Ted. Um, no, I mean, it, it's nothing to do about whether or not we should have Pro-Rel here. But you can't have a team that six years ago was in the third tier suddenly win the title and right. be a strong contender for the European Champions League next year. Right. You could have like an expansion team win, I think, but it would still be like, well, they're an expansion team. They get all the benefits. I, I would say like the the one scenario I did think about would be like 2011 when Winalda's Cal FC 
made yeah. it to like I forget some like really late stage of the Semis, US or, yeah. yeah and they were a totally amateur team now and Charleston Battery I think got to the final in 2008 right and but uh, that was a little earlier on when in MLS's history when it wasn't such a strong league right I think even when a pro team makes it sometimes you know like it's this because uh, when I was thinking about this scenario, I was like, "Man, that could never happen." Then I was like, "That's exactly yeah, <laughs> it. yeah." Uh, so, so maybe in the U.S. Open Cup, but like the only difference, right. but I mean, and you're you're right to mention though there would be a major difference because the Open Cup is just winning ten seven games in a row, whatever. Right. This is holding on to it for what they did was thirty six because there's still two games to go and they've clinched. Right, it's amazing. Right. My grandpa, I told you that my family. Lineage, te- like you, you've been a lifelong Lester fan. Apparently, yeah. Like my my uh, my grandpa's plastic. I think it's my my grandpa's grandpa. So just so you know, listeners, Jeff is like sitting there in a full Jamie Wardy kit right now. Full kit wanker. Right. So what about your grandpa, Jeff? Sorry to interrupt. Uh, my grandpa's grandpa fought. Um, no, it's further back than grandpa because I guess he was a general in the army under Cromwell, which is kind of interesting too. That's pretty. We could do a podcast on that history of Jeff's family in the. Uh, it's gonna be weird. What was it? The the was it the revolution? Was it what did they called the in the when Charles the was executed? Was that the? Let me ask my the, lineage. The English Civil Wars in the English yeah. Civil Wars. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he was a general in there, and he was stationed or not stationed, but he like lived and grew up. Uh, couple dozen miles just outside of Leicester. You, you think he had a plucky Indian friend, too, who he, like, sat at, at, a, at a local tavern, like, Named talking about Riyadh? his feelings on the war? Probably. <laughs> I would guess so. Um, yeah, I would, I think that's likely. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Two Cromwell supporters. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I would have been a royalist, actually. But anyway, moving, moving along, uh, we, we're turbo nerds up in here. Um, Austin Daluz was the NASL Player of the Month, which is um, for April, right? Yeah. Well, no, course. June. <laughs> you wait. His Jeff June is going to be to die for. <laughs> yeah, so uh, on the back of his strong performance in the first few games for Carolina. No I, argument. I, yeah, no, totally no. He, he was instrumental. I think the first two for sure. I think he fell off just a little bit recently, though. But that was May. Right, true. In the last game. Um, what the heck is up with this new piece? Did you know about this before today? No. Yeah. No, I have no I I hadn't heard any rumors about. So the Cosmos are going to be playing an in-season friendly against Ibar in Las Vegas. This is the the uh, La Liga's Ibar. Yeah. Yeah. So a team from Spain in the end of May in Las Vegas when there's still two games left to go in the spring. Right. What? So I saw some theories about this, and this is between two games for the Cosmos. It's it's nuts. I mean, if they play anything close to their A squad, it's going to be a mistake. Because mm-hmm. uh, Vegas is also hot. So, you, I mean, this is going to be a punishing game. Um, the theory I saw was this is NASL kind of strutting its wings for potential investors and showing, like, this is what soccer in Vegas can look like. Uh that's about the only thing that I can think of. <laughs> okay. Or like, or maybe the Cosmos really want to scout an A-bar player? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, hat tip to this is Cosmos country too. Um, right. They but, found this. Yeah. So, I mean, shout out to you. But I don't get it. I mean, it would be one thing if it was between the spring and the fall, but it's not. It's right. th- this month. I just, I right. don't understand it at all. Like, I, I, I can't wrap my little head around this, so... Well, you know, Pelé owns the um, Pelé Casino for 
FIFA in in, in Vegas, Vegas. Right. Um, right. And then Raul owns the Raul's uh, house of shenanigans over there too. That's so. right. Raul has a brothel. That's right. Right. And Marco Senna has a bank. So I, I don't know. Anyway, m- moving along to the to the next piece. Um, the OKC and Indy on BN got six thousand viewers, and Jacksonville Edmonton got one thousand. Well, that was a midweek game. Yep. Still, but still a thousand. So is... between two games, seven thousand people. Yeah, this is this is not good news for for BN's um, broadcast on ASL. I don't know what this is. If it has to do with advertising or what? I would be curious. This is I don't bad news bears. I don't have BN constantly playing in the background, but I would be curious to see if they advertise these games at all. Yeah, I hope they do. I I don't know. The, the right. answer is I don't know. I don't have it playing other than when a team is playing, and I watch it on Sling. So mm-hmm. I would suspect that a lot of NASL people are actually don't have cable and just watch it streaming. But that's maybe like a thousand people at the most. I watched it live. You, now that I think yeah, about it, I watched Nomad. it. I was at the Nomad. Did you make sure to call the Nielsen Ratings Agency and uh, tell them that you were doing? That? You have to. It's like a punch card system. And right. Exactly. It was great. So anyway, that that's not good news. Um, Nashville. It's a love triangle in, mm-hmm. involving Nashville. Mm-hmm. The NASL and the USL are both courting after Nashville. Can right. we write a bad country song about this? Uh, that's all you, mate. Okay. Maybe for next week I'll prepare one. But A bad country song about Nashville, to yeah. Be, I think Nashville is one of those markets that the league should have targeted, the NASL, to clarify, should have targeted a while ago. Yeah. And now suddenly there's a fire lit under their ass. But this this is one of those markets that's like they should have claimed this one yeah. because it kind of set them apart. We've heard this story before, which is that USL goes in after something and NASL has to kind of play second fiddle or backwards. They basically are in the same space at once. Uh, happened in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, what USL does have is that they are involved with the existing, I think it's NPSL squad, Nashville FC. Okay. Whereas NASL would be outside investment. So I have complicated feelings about that. Um, certainly the folks in Detroit have complicated feelings about that that they've just talked about in a Facebook round, probably. Yeah. Which, by the way, way to make yourselves look like idiots, Norton Guard. Um, I was planning to make a little stand with DCFC banner. Like, no joke, I was going to do that. No, not anymore. I don't want to be associated with that kind of stupidity on Facebook. Essentially, they put out a Facebook post that uh, where they went out and just basically insulted a whole bunch of people. And it was like, well, if you're trying to build consensus behind you, uh, insulting everybody is not a good way to do that. And then on Twitter, they're like, this is what we've always been like. Yeah, being a douchebag all the time doesn't mean you have to continue. People change, mm-hmm. guys. So anyway, uh, that that's enough of that. We'll see what happens in Nashville. We'll keep you appraised. Sure. Uh, Carmelo Anthony announced a friendly between Puerto Rico FC and the Puerto Rico men's national team. We don't have to make make up news about Puerto Rico this week. That's our one piece of news. So here you go, Puerto Rico. I think it was interesting for me to see that it would be hosted in New York and that it was not going to be in Puerto Rico because right. I don't think that would have ended well no. at all. No, no, I, I don't think so either. Yeah. I mean, there's been some like talk about... I mean, this is not confirmed as rumors that that the Puerto Rican Federation is a little upset at uh, PRFC for not signing more Puerto Rican players yet. But again, like we said, that their roster is far from complete, so we don't know what's going to happen. It's going to depend on a lot of things. This might be one way to kind of help soothe some egos and make things better. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, this game, I'm also curious to see how many people actually show up for it. Well, we talk about attendance every week, 
and mm-hmm. uh, Mike Pendleton at Fat Seven Deuce or P Hat Seven Deuce. You know, it's about his car. He's got a '72 like Chevy or something. That's... Oh yeah, I think you mentioned that. But right. I like to believe it's a P Hat. It's like his <laughs> his like professional hat, you know, or his pretty hat because I think you shorten yeah. pretty to P. I think that's what kids are doing. Anyway, um, posted a graphic and it. Every single team except for one is down by at least 12% with their attendance from last year's numbers already to begin the season. The one that's scot-free that is within 100 fans or 200 fans of last year's numblers is Minnesota United. (laughs) Numblers. It's like Tumblr, but with numpties. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no. So Minnesota United is holding steady, which was expected, I think. Right. Um. Teams like Indy, like Carolina, like Edmonton are only dropping by 10-15%, which is not like encouraging, but it's also not scary yet because those are also, aside from Carolina, cold weather climates where yep. you know it's pretty hit or miss. Mm-hmm. But then you look at markets like Fort Lauderdale, in their first three games, drew 21,869 fans, and so far through three games... They have drawn 4,514 fans. That's atrocious. I just want to mention that that first game last year where they had like some 10,000 people, it was because Ronaldo 9 was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, but that doesn't take away from the fact that 4K. I mean, that's, that's again, the season they're reporting, ticket number tr- they're reporting for Minnesota United. Styles, right. Okay? But 4,000 is season ticket holders in Minnesota. Right. Do I mean, you, I don't we're care also... If, I don't care if you're reporting turnstiles. And I don't care about the future. You're drawing 1,300, 1,500 fans That's, per game. You need more than that. You need you need 2,000 bodies, you know, in the stadium. Like, uh, it's... Yeah, I mean, I'm... I think when I calculated the uh, numbers, the year-to-date average for the entire league versus last year were down 14%, which is not alarming considering that... Uh, this is only all the cold weather games. So you, you, you allow Ottawa to have a few more games, which who but knows, they might drop off. Maybe, but summer. this is comparing to last year at the same time. It's not comparing to June games. So the weather technically that, should neutralize itself. We've, I think we also started one week earlier this year. I'm just saying, like, let's let's wait till the summer numbers come out Um, to kind of, until I'm ready to kind of say, like, okay, we're, we're in dire straits as a league. Um, I want to see what happens when the weather is consistently good. Like New York, all their home games have had shit weather. Now, that's not excusing the fact that their attendance has dropped every single time to like 2,000, which is like the lowest it's ever been at Hofstra. That's atrocious. Mm-hmm. But um, let's see is what I'm saying. Like cautious, cautious cynicism right now. <laughs> we can be completely cynical over the summer, okay? <laughs> all right. Um, so let's talk about Minnesota United a little bit here. They didn't have a game, so we can have just a game. give you some news. So, some news pieces. Stuart Seuss, who played last season with the Atlanta Silverbacks. Yep. Um, rest in peace. Green gloves and a goalie shorts. And sometimes short shorts. And yes, he wears a goalie shorts. He is the goalie in the hat. I don't know. I come up with terrible Dr. Seuss puns right now. Oh, okay. I get it. Right. Now I get it. Sorry. Um, He... Just a second on that. Um, Christian Nisht is still in the roster. Aaron Perez are still in the roster. Sammy Najak still in the roster. Four keepers. So they have four keepers right now. There are sources that have told me that they're trying to loan out Nisht. We'll see if they can, um, and we'll see who takes him. I'm, there is a spot for him, whether it's NASL or USL. Mm-hmm. There is a spot for him. I'm not worried about that, but I'm curious to see if and where that would be. Yeah, I was. I'll, I'll just express a slight bit of personal disappointment. I was hoping that he would stick around and. Uh, He's fun to talk to. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we'll see what happens with him. 
Yep, we'll see. Shattuck St. Mary's, which is a school down Awatana, just south of here, mm-hmm. put out a press release saying essentially they're going to be part of the Minnesota United Academy system. One of their U8, former U18 developmental coaches is going to become a Minnesota United FC director in their academy system. Um, not on Patrice Shard for comment, right? To Minnesota United Yes, FC? we did. What happened? Jazz hands. <laughs> Jazz hands happened. We got it's no so comment. I mean, this is like an official statement by the school. We know it's happening. Mm-hmm. You could you could at least come out and say like, all right, guys, we know that there's been some talk. We're not ready to announce the details, but it's like, nope, nothing to see here. <laughs> I think this is, this is probably still like fear after years of, are we going to exist next year and waiting till everything's finalized right. before announcing anything? I think it's still just kind of the hangover from that. Um, but if you do want to come to contact with Minnesota United players, here we go. Uh-huh. Christian Ramirez will be at the Ridgedale Mall signing autographs on May 11th. Fantastic. Great. Uh, uh, so let's move on to the matches, huh? Yeah, so the first match was Ottawa versus Miami, which... Woohoo, I predicted right. You pick Miami, I pick Ottawa. I'm done picking Miami, man. Right. Ottawa won 2-0 uh, in front of 7,000 people, which is an impressive crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like their attendance hasn't trailed off through the end of last year. So I'm... Happy to see that. I'm just hoping that they keep it up. And a victory today or a couple of days ago will go a long way to having that. Um, we brought in Stuart McTaggart, Fury Fanatic, to to have a quick chat about this game. He, if you don't know, is a writer. He's also sometimes in the commentary booth for Ottawa Fury uh, when, when someone takes ill or can't make it. And he was, re- I mean, I'm just going to put this out there before he comes on. He was really, really good. Like, if you go back and watch this game, his insight from watching the NASL for many years, being a passionate Fury fan, it's it's clear he knows what he's talking about, which can be lacking sometimes in, in NASL broadcasts. Anyway, here is our interview with Stuart. Stuart McTaggart, Fury fanatic, welcome to two United fans. Uh, I should say Toughcast. I never know which one to say, Jeff. Isn't it Toughcast is the audio pod, two United fans is the brand it, it, it should that be that way. We, I th- that's what you described it to me when you right. sold me on this. And, and our guest hasn't said a word now. Uh, Stuart, do how are you that. doing? I'm yeah. doing great, thanks. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Uh, thanks for joining us. So you had a bit of a... Actually, you're kind of seeing both ends of the spectrum here, aren't you? As you're moving from playing against Miami to playing against Minnesota. Very close in the alphabet, though. So <laughs> do you want to talk about what went down with that Miami game just for a little bit, Stu? Yeah, for sure. It was a it was a good game. Ottawa Fury were able to get their first win. It was uh, the home opener for Ottawa Fury. It was a very physical game. Uh, Johnny Steele kind of set that pace early on. I think it was under a minute, and he had already set a crunching tackle. Um, That's Ottawa my boy. Fury were able to win two nil. They got a goal off a corner kick from center back Fernando Timbo, and then late on they're able to get a goal from Dennis Chin. Uh, fantastic run down the wing, and then he's able to cut in and score. Uh, Ottawa Fury were quite lucky to have Onu uh, Bassi join the squad. He came down, um, he was playing some indoor soccer there for a while, so he's back, joined the Ottawa Fury squad. He's, he joined he's, down the left back and he played great. Wasn't he the guy who was really good with, what is his Rochester last year or something like that? Like, he, he had had some experience in USL, or am I thinking about somebody else? I can't remember exactly where he was playing last year. I'd have to look it up real quick, but I know he was playing yeah. in the... Uh, the indoor soccer right before coming to Fury. And I know he's won two championships, uh, one last year outdoor and then one uh, indoor and then right. uh, joining the Ottawa Fury. Uh, 
Alessandro Nesta tried to do his the same thing he did last week, which is have an early substitution to try and change the game. Even the second half substitution was kind of early uh, in the second half. Didn't they didn't I, to me they didn't seem to change the game very much. Um, Fury did have the better of Miami for most of this game. Yeah, I mean Paul Dalglish even switched up his tactics a little bit um, heading into the game and a little bit at halftime, and I think he did a good job of making sure that. Fury held on to possession, or when they did have possession, they were doing something with the ball, and uh, they were definitely able to keep Miami out of the match, or at least stop Miami from controlling the match uh, for the most part. And uh, Romal Pazer? back back to being Mister Clean Sheet, huh? Yeah, he's something else. He's he's hilarious to watch, and you don't get to see a lot of his antics on TV because a lot of it actually happens off off the ball i don't know if you guys saw the last goal but he had he was actually up in the 18 yard box almost a six yard box of the opponent <laughs> good then i mean i'd have to re-watch it but he must have been at the halfway line when that goal went in because he was up there so fast uh he's just hilarious to watch but yeah he's back he had a he let in a couple goals in some other games that maybe he shouldn't have let in so it's nice to see him back there get the clean sheet get some confidence back the whole team got some confidence with that game and that's really what they needed more than anything one final question, which is um, squad-related, which is we haven't seen Marcel Dion, Julian de Guzman's out. Roseboom did a good job replacing Guzman, but um, what's up with these guys? Like, what what's the injury situation with Ottawa right now? So Julian de Guzman picked up an injury um, in the match against Edmonton, so he's been out. He missed the last match, so Roseboom stepped in. Um, Marcel de Jong's been out for a little bit. I think he's been missed two or three games now through injury. Um, I'm not quite sure what his injury is. Sometimes it's playing on the turf at Lansdowne at TD Place. The you know the artificial grass can sometimes aggravate some muscle injuries. But I'm really not sure what's going on with Marcel de Jong in the long run because I believe he's only signed on for the spring season. And mm. now that Ottawa Fury have Obasi in, um, you know, they both play left back. It would be hard to have Marcel de Jong in the roster and not have him be a starter. But at the same time, Obasi just adds adds something else to the attack that Marcel de Jong just doesn't. So it'll be interesting to see what Paul Douglish decides to do there if, if Marcel de Jong stays on beyond the spring season or not. You've also got one of my favorite NASL guys on your squad this year with uh, Kyle Porter um, manning up the right side, but he's been in and out of the lineup. So what's been what's been going on with him? Yeah, he's one of those versatile players that Dalglish kind of wants to play around. He's been playing him at fullback. He's tried playing him at winger um, and just trying to see where he fits in. But I still, you know, five games in, I'm not even sure if Paul Dalglish knows what his best starting eleven is yet. Um, he's still mm-hmm. trying to learn the league. He's still trying to learn the team. Um, he doesn't have that many players. I think the roster is, you know, only 21, 22 players, but, uh, what he lacks in numbers, he certainly has in coverage in terms of players who can play in different positions. So guys like Kyle Porter, um, even Rose boom can play center back or he can play center midfield. Obasi can play fullback or wing. So he has these players that can play in different positions, but uh, I think he's still trying to figure out who he wants to play where. Now, what's the what's the situation in terms of cohesion of the team, in terms of coming on the pitch, knowing their roles on the team, and, and where do you see this team finishing the spring season? I think the teams definitely come together a lot more, certainly during that Miami game. It was tough to start out on the road. <clears throat> they had four games to start off the season on the road, and that's tough traveling, especially with a group of guys that you don't know too well. 
Uh, they got that first win under their belt at home, so I think that's going to definitely help their their cohesion. And I think for the most part, I think they know their roles in the team. I think the younger guys know they're there to learn. I think the older guys like Julian de Guzman, Romeo Pazer, Rafael Alves, I think they know they're there to lead. Um, you got guys like Johnny Steele who are there to just be there, just to be a presence um, on the pitch and among the squads. So I think they all, I think it's slowly getting there. But, I mean, if you look at the Fury squad from this year compared to last year or the Fury, um, how, how well they've started off the season, they're sitting at the exact same amount of points they had after five games last year, and they're able to push up to second, almost first. So sure. if the team can, can come together and can find that cohesion that they found last year and keep building on what they've got, I can definitely see them pushing for a playoff spot. But right now I see them finishing somewhere mid-table. But they do look like they're getting that cohesion back because that was like the hallmark last summer and last fall with this team is the fact that it was the same 11 week in, week out. The defense was unbelievably reliable. And then you had wingers and forwards that you could absolutely count on to knock one goal, maybe two in, and you would be winning 1-0, 2-0 every single week. Do you see that kind of a stability or is this going to be kind of a, a kaleidoscope sort of a lineup? I'm not too sure. I don't. This certainly isn't going to be the Ottawa Fury team that's going to go through and, and shatter records like they did last year with defensive records and, and shutout runs. But there's still that that's still in their DNA, and I still think it's something that that they can find. Whether they can do that under Dalglish or with this specific group of, of players, I'm not too sure. But they're definitely a squad that that's slowly starting to work together and slowly starting to to become a unit. I wrote not too long ago that they at times they looked phenomenal but at other times they look like just a group of 11 individuals on a field just trying to trying to earn a dollar and they certainly did not look like that on last Saturday they looked great they were playing as a team they're playing well together and if they continue playing like that they're so certainly be pushing themselves up the standings so I have one question that's going to be you know the one that Minnesota fans will, will pillory me if I don't ask you, which is how are Johnny Steele and Moseri Giorio doing with the squad? Just very quickly, are they fitting in? Are they working hard? Both of them, I believe, have an assist so far. Um, Mosey, I haven't seen too much of. He's come on as a sub. He had, I think, one start. Um, I yeah. think at least a lot more Fury players, or Fury fans, sorry, see him more as like a depth player, more as someone who's... Uh, who's going to add some depth when the likes of Roseboom or uh, Johnny Steele or James Bailey are out injured. As for Steele, to be honest with you, when I first saw him in spring training, he was arguing a little bit with some guys and didn't seem to be fitting in too well. But in the last couple practices I've been to in that last game, he just seems to have a smile on his face. He seems to he seems to be fitting in very well, and I think he okay. knows his role. I mean, he. I talked to him very briefly a couple weeks ago, and he basically said he was going to hang up the boots. Um, he was done. He was going to announce his retirement. But then Paul Douglas came around and said, you know, like, I'd like to give you another shot. So I think for him, this is just a freebie. This is just him enjoying a second chance to go out there and play some football after he thought he wouldn't be able to. And I don't think there's there's any pressure on his shoulders to do anything special. You know that someone from Unused Substitutes is saying this to like the Cosmos Country podcast about Freddie Adu like right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, fun final question, Stuart. I really liked your commentary the other day. I know you're just filling in for, for some folks who are out, but I mean, I thought you did a great job. How do you prepare for something like that? Is it a high-pressure situation for you? Do you feel calm and composed? Like, what's, what's your, the attitude you take into something like that? 
Well, first off, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Um, preparing for it, <clears throat> basically for the last year and a half, I've been doing writing for the NASL. So I know a lot of the different um, people who work at different clubs. So they often will email me the match previews along with match notes. So to prepare for the match, I print out the match notes. There's one from each team. Uh, just kind of lays out how they've been playing recently, who the squad members are, recent form, uh, what they pronunciation expect. guides. Yeah, and uh, so I've been I read up on those before the match. I, I try my best to watch the previous two games from each team if I can, if they're on YouTube. Um, but honestly, it's just it, it comes very naturally. I get nervous at first, but it just. If there's one thing I can sit and talk about for two or three hours straight, it's Ottawa Fury and the NASL. So it comes very, very naturally to me. I do get nervous, but at the end of the day, it's a lot of fun. And I'm talking about what I what I love. Well, I hope we have a chance to talk about all of this in person again sometime soon, Stuart. Where can the good people find the stuff that you write and where can they find you on Twitter? All right, so you can find me on Twitter at FuryFanatic. And you guys can find me on midfieldpress.com where we have everything from NASL to the NWSL. Fantastic, Stuart. Thank you so much for joining us. Do appreciate it, sir. Thank you very much, guys, and keep up the great work at Toughcast. All right, just a few other notes before we move on. Pablo Campos got 90 minutes again. So, Pablo, you. Right? Um, you got <laughs> <laughs> uh Miami's defense continues to be absolutely shambles. Um Isn't it funny that Tony Miola's team and we might have talked about this last week has like the worst goalkeeper and Nesta's <laughs> team has like the worst defense? Is yeah. the irony not lost on anybody yet? I don't think so, man. Uh it this is I mean they got to tighten the bolts somehow. Otherwise, there're going to be goals galore in every Miami game against them. Anyway, uh Fort Lauderdale versus Tampa Bay. We both picked Tampa Bay. We both got it right. 1-0 uh, in front of the aforementioned 1,086 people. Mm. So, <sighs> listeners, because you probably didn't know they played a game. Because you, you nobody knew that this game happened, apparently. Um, there were a lot of former players playing against their team. What was it? Five former Rowdies and three former Strikers on their new teams? Right. It's it's. I mean, it, there's a lot of incest between the... Fort Lauderdale, I mean, the the, the, the Florida soccer teams. You mm-hmm. can say that they're the Lannisters of the NASL landscape. Which, yeah, by the way, a timely joke. Did you watch... Uh, of course, you're an idiot. You don't watch Game of Thrones. I'm not Last an idiot, episode but I don't watch so it. Good. Oh my God. I was actually thinking of this earlier. So because good. I was reading an AV Club article about how the Hold Steady are getting the old lineup back together to go on a tour. And they threw in this ham-fisted bullshit reference to Game of Thrones. <laughs> and you just fucking did it. And I don't understand. Like It's such a good show. Why does every single thing you do have to reference Game of Thrones. Because if you read a read the books and watch the TV show, your life revolves around... I'm just going to say, by the way, you know you know how you read about, like, ooh, explorers in the 1600s went off to find El Dorado in South America and stuff. Yeah, if, I saw you post this. Yeah, if Game of Thrones... Because you friended me on Reddit, and mm-hmm. I posted it there. Because you can be friends on Reddit, I found right. out yesterday. Uh, I, and, and if you can... 
if if Game of Thrones was published in the 1600s, or if it was like a tale told in the 1600s, people would be off trying to find the cat. It's that compelling, man. They'd be off trying to find the lands, the characters, and all that. Yeah, yeah, wanking motion. PC was at left back. That's strange. That was very strange. Why? That is almost like um, when the Boltons betrayed. No, I'm just kidding. The uh, Rowdies had a pretty good start, <laughs> but uh, they, they they tailed off. This was actually the the first half of this game was a lot of just slow back and forth. Right. You know, it was a little bit like when you're watching a battle and you, you're just kind of, it's just a bunch of, <laughs> it's men, you know, and you're heading up toward the north and all of a sudden the dragon swoops in and that's finally. You have the, no idea what you're talking no, about. No, I don't. And the dragon, of course, was Neil <laughs> Collins, right. which then makes, I don't know, Eric Avila Khaleesi. You're atrocious at this. Okay, so so the, the, the Rowdies did did have momentum early, but it was a pretty scrappy game. It was not worth watching, if you ask me. Um, I regret it. And Neil Collins did score the one goal in the 77th minute. By the way, Macon Santos, playing his old team. He got, There was a handball in the box. He, he was an, excited. Yes. And then he pulled an anti-Roberto Carlos. <laughs> With, with his penalty kick. He was like, I'm going to like kick the ball with a nice little curve. I'm going to be fancy in front of the home fa- fan. Not fan. The fan. The fan. Yeah, Cardick. Yeah. <laughs> he's not working for the team, so he so doesn't he's not count. So he doesn't count as a fan. You're right. <laughs> and yeah, he sends it to the right post and clips off the post and just goes wide. Uh, Pickens a dope. Wait, Pinkins, according Pinkins. to the commentator. Yeah. Pinkins. The wrong way. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, Santos knocks it wide. So this happened, in, I think, the first half. So, yeah. Well, that that's all we really need to say about this game. Let's talk about the actual Rowdies news because there's a lot of it. Yep. Um, Perry Vanderbeck is out as the Tampa Bay assistant GM. He's he was kind, kind of a legend. And he was like the last remaining from last spring's organization because they had that huge turnover where Thomas Rongen and co. were ousted. Um, and right. honestly, like you said, he was kind of an institution there. People assumed that he was secure and that he was like a foundational piece of that organization and now he's gone. Yeah. Do you know so, why? Do you see anything? Um, because they wanted to beat the strikers. Right. So they got to get yeah. rid of a guy who played for the Rowdies. It was a tit for tat sort of move. No, I, I uh-huh. didn't really see much with it. I think it was another one of those blah blah need results. Blah blah. Surprisingly, <laughs> your plan. Surprisingly, signing a bunch of number sevens and number tens does not win you a title. Right. Whatever. So. Um, He's okay. probably just going to go retire to the scenic beaches of Tampa Bay. Perfect. Uh, in in other news, Elliot Richards, this is a guy who had testicular cancer in England and came over to the Rowdies, if you've been listening to our uh, episodes. He was supposed to play for the Rowdies too, primarily, to kind of get back in his shape. He was signed to a spring season contract. Well, it turns out he trained with the Rowdies for about a week until some personal issues popped up. And the team thought it would be best to let him go back and sort it out and just dissolve his contract. We'll see. They, they've said that they're open to signing him again if if the opportunity strikes. This is all, by the way, reported by the unused substitutes who also, I should add, back in February broke this next piece of news. Mm-hmm. Pip, pip. Joe Cole. Now, who's left on the 2006 British World Cup squad who isn't playing in America right now? Uh, Wayne Rooney. Okay. Because Jermaine Defoe has. Right. So he's out. Um, Wayne Rooney. Is Emil Heskey still playing? Ooh. I think he is. He's probably in a beer league somewhere. Is Julian Lescott in that squad? I don't think he was yet. I think he was like 2010, 2014. You keep giving the news. I'll go look this up. Oh, no. This is more important. I kind of want to look this up, too. We're going <laughs> to... All, All right, right, listeners. All right. We're actually... No, we haven't taken a break yet. This is great. We're going to take a quick break. 
And when we come back, we're going to pull up the 2006 English squad and give predictions of which team they'll each sign with in memorial of Joe Cole. All right. And we are back with your starting 11 and your 23. It's amazing. So I, as soon as I said that and started saying we we're going to take a break to look at the roster, I was like, there's no way. I totally just jinxed it. There weren't that many. First off, Joe Cole was on that roster. Score. This is the 2006 World Cup. But these other players who either have or are playing or are signed to contracts and never show up to the field for with American sides. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got Ashley Cole, Steven Gerrard, David Beckham, mm-hmm. Frank Lampard, Joe Cole. That's kind of remarkable. Like, that's yeah. half of your starting lineup. No, I mean, it, they had a pretty young squad at that point, and it's it's kind of incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. By the way, we, we are shooting right now for our longest episode ever, because we've still got well, we're two more games, three more games to talk about. Well, we would... I mean, what's our record right now? Is it still the uh, when we brought in Bruce and Wes and like David? Did an hour and a half? Did yeah. An hour and a half? Yeah, we're at uh, about 40 minutes already. So All right, so we're going to be yeah. spending 30 minutes here on the Ryo OKC indie game. So settle in, pour yourself a glass of something, and we're actually going to spend like two minutes on it. It was a pretty quick game. Um, I picked it wrong. You picked it right. Indeed. Tale of the Spring. Indy has won two in a row now. 2-1. Um, 2-1 one. in front of 4,729 Oklahomans. Probably. Down, but uh, hopefully not for long. Hopefully we'll keep getting back up. Anyway. What? Anyway. Um, High school dropout who hangs out in the parking lot, Jer. Oh, uh, yeah, Jer. Star Wars character, Jer. Jer. Yep. Um, ended up scoring. Uh, it was right at... It was frustrating to watch, so I watched this live. And I know. And um, there was a corner kick for Ryo OKC, and it was just like lightly hit out of bounds. It was nothing to see. There wasn't even like a scrum that it went into. It was just like a very poorly taken by the striker in the box corner. Uh-huh. Okay. And as this is why we're the longest podcast yet. And then they keep showing this replay, and all of a sudden they <laughs> cut out of the replay, and it's, and it's in the net. And India scored 1-0. And you're just like, what the hell just happened? And then they showed replays. And, like, the the commentators, in fairness, were like, oh, okay, we're looking at replays, and I'm sorry about that. We don't even know who scored until they found out that it was Jer Bear. Um, But, yeah, so what happened was goal kick went to a defender who kicked it out to Sinisa Ubiparapovic, who's back, who then had a really nice kind of lifted through ball. And uh, Jer ran through, uh, picked up the ball, and then was able to make a really nice volley inside of the 18. Went across the box, across the face of goal, and in. It was a really impressive goal that no one saw live. (laughs) So Michelle scored the the equalizer for Ryo. And I remember when when Ryo signed him, you said he's great at free kicks. Mm -hmm. Scored one off a free kick. Nice little long shot. Beautiful. Yeah. As Um, advertised. And Nemanja Vidic, mm-hmm. uh, Nemanja Vukovic, seventy-seventh <laughs> minute, scored the winner. The second winner he scored for Indy. Cold-blooded. He really is. Um, you notice, I believe Forbes was fast in this game. Mm-hmm. What else is new? Uh, water is wet. Right. The Millennium Falcon can do the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs. That is, yeah. I mean, everyone knows. Right. That. Star Trek is the greatest uh, sci-fi franchise ever made. Ooh, I um, would agree with you. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We're not we're not going to argue that one. Um, 
But the one thing that Forbes really does need to work on is his finishing. There yeah. was one nice sequence of passes, actually a really impressive um, set of passes on the right-hand side with like a no-look pass, pass net nutmeg to defender. And it was crossed over to Forbes, who got to the end of the ball, and you're thinking, yeah, Ryo's going to score. And then he just totally shanked it on the back far corner. It wasn't even really that close. It was too bad. Um, so he needs to work on that a little bit. You know how um, there are old people who wear their like pants really high up? Yeah, Larry David. Right. And you, and you know that they're old because they wear the pants that I love up. Larry David. You know, that's John Bush's pants being really high up is his long pants. Mm-hmm. Or do you think he's trying to be really trendy and he just wants to show off his fancy socks? Yeah, because he has the red socks and he has his pants tucked into his socks. Right. I don't know, man. But uh, sticking with Larry David here, Derek Botain looked pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty good. No, he did, though. Uh, yeah. I was actually kind of impressed watching him. He was chippy. He flops. Um, you can tell that he's used to playing in um, Throw some shade. big games, whatever. Throw the damn shade. <laughs> but overall, honestly, he looked like the best player on Ryo's team. I thought you were going to say he's used to playing in La Liga. Um, Ooh. What about, what about Giorgio Samaras? Oh, uh, I could smell his cologne coming through the nomad um, as he walked on the field. And Th- those uh, are just the embalming fluids. Okay, that makes sense. Well, it's good. He's preserved quite well, but his final touch, unfortunately, left with the rest of his molecular body um, because he had one ball in stoppage time that could have tied the game if he had just chested it down and kicked it in pretty easily, and it would just kind of flubbed the first touch and went right to the keeper. But you were impressed by the other inner big international signing in this game. Oh, yeah. Friend of the podcast, Eamon Zayed, looked really good. He didn't score. He didn't have an assist in this game, but he was constantly getting to the ball. You could He was being double-marked pretty much every single time he went into the box. Um, he had one shot that curled wide, but he, in particular, that was a good chance he had but he looked threatening most of the game and it's it's very clear that he's one of the best forwards in this league we gotta get a beer with that guy when he comes here soon um ryo had a couple of roster notes mm-hmm. um eric norales is apparently cut yeah that surprised us uh visa issues i believe was the rumor should but we switch don't know to mastercard sure. <laughs> new mastercard holder eric norales is though there, there's some people saying he should sign for puerto rico so we'll, we'll see i mean that yep. would be a natural move that really would be um, and then they brought in Moises Hernandez on loan for the rest of the year by the sound of it from FC Dallas, who has played six years in MLS. He's a defender as well. Um, he represented Guatemala at the Gold Cup. So He was a homegrown player in Dallas too. Yeah, right? he was. He spent the majority of his career there. He was loaned out once or twice already. But yeah, solid. I mean, he spent six seasons in America. He knows the travel schedule, so he should be able to plug in and go to the defense right away. Brilliant. Moving right along to the New York Cosmos versus the Carolina Rail Hawks. Game of the week. Uh, on... Uh, in front of an atrocious 2,400 people at Sheward. They nearly need to get out of that place. Uh, I think, was it this week or last week that they were talking about uh, that that Eric Stover went on to Inverted Triangle podcast with Neil Morris and said the Cosmos really want to leave Sheward Stadium mm-hmm. and that they're looking actively looking at uh, other options. I think the exact quote was, with every passing game, it becomes less likely that we're going to be at Sheward. Good. 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 It's atrocious. We've talked about it in the pod. It's Maybe terrible. Maybe they should play stadium. in Stover's backyard, though. They couldn't draw worse. Yeah, no, they'll get more people. Yeah, it um, wouldn't look any worse either. Um, but the Cosmos, thank you, Cosmos, for now. I was upset with this result. Ooh, why? I know it's better for Minnesota, but I wanted Cosmos to lose to go on like a morale spiral. But wouldn't that just motivate them more? 
I like the idea of them kind of alternating between wins and losses and being teetering. But I feel like uh-huh. if they lost three games in a row, they were going to, I mean, then they'd go out and they'd buy like Ronaldo or something. And yeah, we're done. <laughs> It'd just be like, all right, bring on Messi. We're going to sign him now for the NASL. Make it so. Right. Yeah, so uh, luckily, not quite the case. Uh, Brian Sylvester was a net who we interviewed last off season for, for um, Real Hawks because Akira Fitzgerald's mom passed away, which yep. very sad. So sending many condolences. condolences. Yep, that's a, it was a a tough tough scratch for them, and hopefully Akira's at peace. Um, right. So Sylvester was in goal, looked good. I mean, honestly, it was yeah. a a pretty good goalie matchup. All he considered. he saved four out of five shots. Mm-hmm. which is all you can really ask from a keeper. And the one goal that he let in, you said nobody could save it. No. no. Except for Manuel Neuer. Right. Johandre Orozco basically dribbled the ball into the box, juked a couple of defenders, and actually, actually fired actually, at full force. You know who would have saved Stop it? Right. Scott Sterling. Scott Sterling. Who's Scott Sterling? The guy who... The, it's the it's comedy sketch where he saves five sh- penalty kicks with his face. I haven't watched that. You haven't seen that? I'm going to send him Scott Sterling. I hope okay. someone got that reference. All right, all right, good, anyway, good. I'll send that to you for you to watch tonight. Um, yeah, so right before halftime, though, that goal that you were talking about, a really impressive goal. Um, Bill Shuler came in for Austin to lose player of the month, and Simon Benson came in for Matt Watson. Um, what was it? 64th minute? Fourth, okay. Changed the game. Cosmos had kind of dominated up to that point. Uh, Carolina had been able to hold on except for that one goal, but Carolina basically got back in and had a few strong, potent attacks. Mm-hmm. And, and for a second, you were like, oh, maybe they're going to do it. Maybe they're going to tie this game up. Because I think a draw would have been the best result. <laughs> but um, they weren't able to. And it finished as... The really interesting thing for me, by the way, is that the scorer and the guy who got the assist, so Johandre Orozco scored, and Gabriel Farfan, who got the assist, both of them were starting for the first time for the Cosmos. So maybe maybe this is the start of something new for them. I hope not, but you, oh, don't, who knows? you never know. Yep. Uh, important note, we were talking about stadiums just now. Uh, the Cosmos have planned a new stadium in Elmont in uh, New York. Mm-hmm. It's called the Belmont Stadium. I don't know what the difference between Elmont and Belmont is. I don't know enough about New York. Well, the Belmont is what, the second leg of the Triple Crown? Right. It's between the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. Right. So basically, the Cosmos are building a racetrack come soccer stadium. I don't know. Say it with me, listeners. Still better than Schuert. Still better than Schuert. Uh, they're building a stadium. And there's going to be like a hotel, entertainment complex, and other stuff, much like Minnesota United Stadium. And uh, they're, they're, they've been talking about this for three years now, basically. Mm-hmm. And the plans have changed just a little bit. There's been political like wrangling, all sorts of stuff. Anyway, there was a protest where 150 to 200 labor union members, Cosmos fans, and citizens showed up in support of the stadium. It's really cool to see that they can get that many people out there to kind of demonstrate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, the, the the call of the protest was the stadium means jobs, which is a smart thing to say to lobby politicians. I genuinely hope the stadium happens because more soccer stadiums in this country that are high profile mean more soccer attendance, more soccer prominence. It's a good thing. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they're able to do it because if, if it did happen, it'd probably mean it would light a fire under New York City FC's ass. Yeah. Um. Because, you know, they're playing in Yankee Stadium. Their stadium talks of there's nothing being said about that, even less than Miami, which is a train wreck in itself. So (laughs) Cosmos would have a stadium before NYCFC. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm hopeful that it happens. Definitely. No, totally fair. Uh, Last game of the week was actually yesterday. We're recording this on Thursday, as always. Wednesday matchup in front of a 1,000 viewers on BN. 
as Jacksonville lost to Edmonton nil to one. Right. Uh, Papa Diakite, who still has one of the more interesting names this year in the NASL, he was left entirely unmarked in a corner and um, scored. No Guess one what? Puts... Jacksonville's defense, still not so great. No one leave <laughs> Papa in the corner. Right. <laughs> By the way, Matt Fondi, um, the, the commentators are saying how Matt Fondi just hasn't had a, a good game or hasn't hasn't been able to do it. I think it's the service to Matt Fondi. Matt Fondi did a great job in the USL last year with Louisville. And mm-hmm. I think he's the same player. I just don't think he's getting the best balls into him. It was interesting also to me to see that Charles Alondu and... Um, Okay, you're fucking... You. <laughs> and you gave me shit when I was laughing at Jake Nutting. The balls <laughs> into him. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> well, anyway. Charles Alandu and Al-Hassan Kato were left at subs this week for Jacksonville. Right. Giving uh, a very different flavor to their attack, hence Baba Diakate being their goal scorer. Right. Um... They're, uh, yeah, but the the attacks in this game in general, or sorry, that was Edmonton's goal score. Um, but that just kind of goes to show you, he was able to be an attack because the, their main attackers weren't on the field. Full he was stop. left unmarked on a corner. Uh, um, <laughs> let's see, the, the major attacks, I mean, honestly, until the final third of this game, kind of a snooze. You're right. It, it was, it was, Edmonton was the team in control. They were the ones who were doing the stuff. Matt Van Oakle wasn't really threatened the entire game, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the only thing that one I keep always keep a close eye on Miguel Gallardo who kept Jackson who in the game many times. Uh, but there was seventy first minute. There was a really interesting thing where Plumhoff and Gallardo collided, and Gallardo kind of first gets straight back up because like the ball still in play, and then as soon as the referee blows his whistle, he like falls back down theatrically. And then he gets back up. And it was just the most, like, amusing, like, okay, this guy knows exactly how this game works mm-hmm. uh, situation. Which is funny because last week we heard a transcription, or we heard him talking to coach Tony Miola, <laughs> and he didn't understand much about this game. So I'm glad that he was learning quick. Too bad he didn't keep the clean sheet, though. But I'm right. pretty sure it's laundry day tonight. Uh, and other concerning news for Haiti at the national level, uh, Pascal Malian wasn't very effective in this game either. So I don't. I haven't actually looked to see if he was called up. I assume he was. I believe four NASL players were called up to the uh, six. Six, six, six with Stewart signing, right? Yeah. With with to the Haitian national team. So um, we'll see what happens there. But Million has been one of those guys that you could reliably say would be decent for the Armada, even when the rest of the team was crap. Mm-hmm. Also, by the way, this is Armada losing a game at home, which doesn't happen. Didn't happen last season too often, at least. Right. Uh, speaking of which, their attendance was three thousand five hundred. Which is midweek game? All right, I'll give it to you. Sure. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's tough to compare that to the rest of the season because of those screwy kind of midweek games. So now we move into everyone's favorite segment, which is Notch beats Jeff at Pick'em. I can't believe that's the joke this year. Last year's entire joke was that I lose all the damn time. There's time. Uh, There's still time. You're just tempting the fates against me. Basically mm-hmm. is what's happening here. So the first matchup is Tampa Bay versus Joe Cole claiming that he's not here on vacation. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting because anytime, I mean, Ashley Cole did the same thing. So who's uh-huh. missing? Carlton Cole and then we have the Cole trifecta. <laughs> I get them all in one team. I think so. Uh, Too I, confusing. I, I'm just going to say, I think I think actually for Joe Cole, this is probably a real thing because he's he wanted a better life from his first family, apparently, according to some news reports. He's actually serious about this and he never struck me as a guy who kind of Gave up. When he went over to League 1 after, like, bouncing out of Chelsea, he, he could have snoozed. And he didn't. He worked really hard. So I'm, I'm hopeful that he comes and actually gives it his best. He's more of a 
uh, Jovinko than a Lampard. No, he's 34. He's not a Jovinko. Uh, in terms of effort, or let me say Robbie Keane versus Lampard. Keane still came in when he was about 30-31. What I, Cole has, is definitely past his prime. Uh, okay, Raul versus Lampard. Where he'll go in flashes, and once in a while you'll, you'll see <laughs> yeah. why. Okay, sure. I'll give you give that. The damn metaphor, I'll damn give it. you that, but Javinko is not Raul by any stretch. Um, is it really NASL day? It is. They're playing all five games at one time. Well, not at the same time, but it's like throughout all on one Saturday. single day. Yeah. All Saturday right. is going to be an NASL, NASL day. You, you said it's not a day in the notes here. Well, you clarified it's it. It's now a know. thing. Uh, I made it a thing. It's an ASL day, everybody. Celebrate it. There we go. Um, Ottawa versus Minnesota in Ottawa. Who you got? Uh, I got Minnesota, man, because I I think we're actually good at the moment, which obviously means we're going to lose, like 5-0. Mm-hmm. But uh, who do you have? I've got Minnesota as well. Are Jack's... you going to type this into the notes? Or... Yeah, I'm typing it right now. Aha, you left it out so I wouldn't know. Yes. Well, you didn't type yours in either. Well, I forgot. I'm doing it right okay, now. Okay. Well, All right, go ahead, go ahead. Element go ahead. of surprise then. Uh, Jacksonville versus Ryo OKC. Who you got? I got OKC, man. Um, Jackson just didn't, didn't show enough. And I think OKC has at least the parts to be great. And they have shown flashes of brilliance. I think I think they run the run the board. It is Jacksonville at home, so you never truly know. But I just wasn't impressed by what I saw yesterday. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, not to mention that Ryo, while they are traveling, also had an extra three or four days of rest. And I think uh-huh. that's pretty major in a league like this. So I'm going to say Jack or uh, Ryo OKC as well. Carolina versus Fort Lauderdale. Who you got? Which is the number one team versus the 11 on. team are on we, Chiefs. Are we going to get this wrong? I mean, are we going to be different on this one? Well, I'm picking Carolina, so probably. Because you, you at the beginning of the spring, said that Lauderdale will get fifth and they need to get points I, somewhere. I need eggs and rotten vegetables thrown at me for that choice. Okay. That was obviously wrong. Okay. Moving on then, I'm assuming we both have Carolina on that one. Indy uh-huh. versus Edmonton. Indy. Same. Yep. Indy at home right now, they're looking pretty good. I'm going to give it to them. <sighs> Shit. And then Miami, New York City. <laughs> New York Cosmos. Ooh, faux pas. <laughs> we got. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You've got Miami. Great. Okay, so Notch has Miami <laughs> and I have the Cosmos. All right, let's, no, uh, let's I'm put that the, in the notes. I'm going with the Cosmos. All right, so next week when you tune in, we will have the exact same difference in our records because we picked <laughs> the same slate again. All right, we're running well into where we shouldn't be. You can find us, our... as always, on Twitter, which is Notch's Doppelganger, at TWO United Fans. Notch, where can, can the good people find you for when you have, like, food pictures or whatever? <laughs> at LockstockSpock. I purposely don't post, post food pictures, by the way. That's Fair the enough. one thing I hate when people post. Don't post food pictures. Throwing shade. Where are you at? At J-E-F-F-R-U-E-T-E-R. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and iTunes. Tell your friends about us. Go tell your friends about us. And give us some ratings. We like hearing. And if nothing else, I mean, just tweet at us. What you liked, what you didn't like, what you want more of, what you want less of, which is probably me talking at the end of every episode that you want less of. It, we really appreciate the listeners. We really Say appreciate goodbye. the feedback. No, because last week, didn't you have like a 20-second goodbye <laughs> about going off into the forest? And I don't know. This yeah, is we, Jeff. Had, we had a few people coming up and telling us it was a good show. So thank you for telling us. We always appreciate that. And this is Notch. This goodbye. This is Jeff.